All right, go. Hey, Husky fans. Welcome back to Fourth and Inches, a Husky podcast from Sports Illustrated Husky Maven. I'm Trevor. And I'm Jake. And we're like Frodo and Bilbo. God, I hate you. You, you know already what? used the, the, yeah. No, you I already... did not use these characters. No, I did not. No, I used but you used, yeah, you used something from this dumbass movie before. Okay, but here's the thing. It leads me to a question, and I couldn't use the people because I've already used them. And I told you to prepare, and I hope you did. If you were stuck on a desert, a deserted island with a DVD player, and you could have three movies. I was stuck on a desert island? Yeah, deserted. <laughs> Shut up. Um, a deserted island. Three movies. What three are you taking? I'm going to take Over the if Top. You Bloodsport. If he's, oh. I'm going I'm to take Bloodsport. And I'm going to take you. Days of Thunder. Days of Thunder, for sure, is probably my number one. I could watch all three of those movies over and over and over and over again. And without like, a- I knew, I knew we wouldn't have, but I didn't know <laughs> how different ours would be. Uh, what, what are yours like? Lord of the Rings, like he, Lord of the Rings. Let me guess. Let me guess. Lord of the Rings. I found a ring. Which one? Lord of the Rings. I'm I'm naming them. Ready? Lord of the Rings, I found a ring. Lord of the Rings, I took a walk. Lord of the Rings, I dropped the ring in a volcano. Is that your three? So that's one of them. One of them's I found a ring. (laughs) Okay. So definitely the Fellowship of the Ring. Okay. Definitely the First Avengers. Oh, that's a good one. And definitely the Greatest Showman. Uh, Jake, obviously this is, we're recording on the 21st of January. The season's been over for uh, about a month now. Um, yeah, what, uh, kind of what are your thoughts of what's been going on around the program? You know, first of all, I just want to say we didn't put this out right after the season ended um, for, for a reason. It was calculated. We wanted to give ourselves a chance to get our thoughts together Obviously, this year didn't go the way that we both had thought and hoped. And at the end of the day, we didn't want to come on the ra- uh, we didn't want to come on the podcast and just blow this team up and say exactly what everybody else was thinking the day after the season ended. Everybody was everybody was kind of irritated, and and an instant reaction to that I don't think would have done anybody any justice. So here we are a month after the bowl game with our thoughts collected and our tempers mellowed. And, and I think I, that's, I think a that's really, really important. Yeah, I think that's a really good way to look at it. And I think that we did want to wait for some of the other news to come through. We knew that we were hoping that by this point we'd have an OC hire, which we have. We waited on uh, to see if there was any other guys entering the draft, which happened. And then, of course, the schedule came out. So I think this is a really good time to take a look back with more more of an objective look on it, as opposed to just being emotional about, uh, you know, Washington showed in that Boise State game that they're a lot better than what they showed for most of the year. Yeah, and, and with all that said, after 
telling you that we got our thoughts collected and our tempers mellowed. I'm still irritated. <laughs> I'm still, oh, yeah. I'm still, I'm, I'm still frustrated with how the season went. Um, and I, I'm not, I'm never going to say that Chris Peterson stepping down from the head coach is a good thing, but I think a new transition to a young and up and comer that's really, really hungry is going to be a really good thing for this program moving forward. Chris Peterson and, you know, he, we, as Husky fans owe him a ton uh, for bringing Washington back to prominence. That being said, I think it was, and he even said it, it was the right time to step away because Jimmy likes an all-star and the way that he interacts, he was uh, at, at halftime of the Washington Oregon game uh, for junior weekend. He was out talking at halftime He's been really active on social media now that the dead period's over. And it's just a new energized look at an already great program. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and what I like about what Jimmy Lake's doing is that he's not just following Chris Peterson's footsteps. There's going to be a lot of similarities, but I, I, with a Jimmy Lake twist. And he's a little bit flashier. He's a little bit more of a go-get-it type of personality when it comes to recruiting. Chris Peterson's already said in years past how much he doesn't love recruiting. And he goes after a certain type of guy, and that's his niche. Well, Jimmy Lake's going to come off with the the doors blasting open, and he's going to come in and shoot for the cream of the crop players because he wants to win a national championship, and he believes that's how he's going to do it. So – you're going to see an instant swing, upswing in recruiting tactics right off the bat from Jimmy Lake, which, which I mean, Chris Peterson was not a bad recruiter in the first place. He had good, he had good talent coming in. I think you're going to see nothing but better coming in every year for the next four or five years. That's a really good point is Peterson has stepped up his recruiting game. Obviously it's a lot easier to recruit to Seattle than it is to Boise, but right. Whenever he would talk about recruiting and talk about his program, he would, it was almost like he was trying to not sell the kids on it. The main thing that he usually said is this program is hard and it's going to be the hardest thing you ever do. And while that's right, I've seen a, a really big shift in the way that Lake talks about how if we're recruiting you, you know, we think that you're NFL talent. And right. if if we recruit you, it's going to be the hardest thing that you do, but you are going to have a blast doing it. And you're going to make lifelong memories with people and you're going to find your best friends here. And just everything that goes along with just the hard work, but also the unbelievable experience you're going to have being part of championship level college football team. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and kind of moving forward a little bit, everybody's biggest gripe with the new hire, John Donovan, at offensive coordinator, is nobody knows how he's going to recruit. Um, he's been in the NFL for the last year uh, with the Jacksonville Jaguars, and, and he doesn't have any ties to this area, to the West Coast. His previous college experience was at Penn State. I don't think that's going to matter much because of how much of a rock star 
Jimmy Lake is in recruiting. I think he's always going to get the guy that he wants just because he's a closer. We've talked about that before. Jimmy Lake as a recruiter is a closer and he's going to get his guy. And, and I don't think, I think John Donovan's going to add to that, but I think Jimmy Lake is going to be the headliner all the time. Oh yeah. And that's what you want out of your head coach. He's the CEO, but looking at John Donovan, you know, it's kind of, it's a really weird situation that he came from. Um, Vanderbilt's offense wasn't, wasn't fantastic by any means under John Donovan previous to Penn state. It was the best offense that they've ever put on the field. And then looking at Penn state, they were coming off essentially a death penalty. They only had two scholarship offensive linemen on that team. And Christian Hackenberg, who's been shown to is overrated coming out of high school and, and, and is what it is with that. But he's shown that he's not that star quarterback that people at Penn State thought he was going to be. And yeah. running an offense around those guys is really, really tough when you have a quarterback who's getting hit most plays. Um, and, you know, he recruited Saquon Barkley. So right. this guy has – he has the eye and, um, you know – the scheme is something we're not sure about. Even the guys at Penn state weren't really sure on this hire casual fan says he's terrible guys that are really digging in and looking at the deeper story are saying that, you know, he had some good ideas, but he just didn't have the pieces. And then when it came time, somebody had to take the heat and it was him. And then you saw Trace McSorley come in and Saquon Barkley and kind of set the world on fire for a few years there. Right, and haven't we seen this in the past where offensive coordinators are taking the heat? Oh, look at Jonathan Smith. It, right, and, and, and now look at where, what he's doing at a, at a program that was in shambles for the last 12 years. Yeah, absolutely. And um, in the interview that Lake had with Softy, he even said that he loves that people are uh, kind of down on the hire. He's like, that you know, we're looking for guys and – when a fan base reacts like that, it instantly puts a chip on your shoulder to make you want to work harder. I was underwhelmed by it at first emotionally. Like I think most fans were because nobody remembers who this guy is because he's been in the NFL for a few years. Right. But after yeah. hearing Jimmy Lake talk about him, Jimmy Lake, I understand why he's such a great recruiter. He made me believe in John Donovan just by listening to him. So Jake, let's move on to another piece of news that happened. Uh, Savon Ahmed, has declared for the NFL draft. We thought based on a Twitter video after the Boise State game that him and Keith Taylor were coming back. Sounds like Keith Taylor's back, um, but Savon has elected to go to the NFL. What are your thoughts on that? I'm a little torn between it because I do like that Savon's an upperclassman. I would have liked him to stay just for the leadership role. But when it comes down to it, do I think he's the best running back that we have on the roster right now? No. I think Richard Newton might be the best running back that we have on the roster. This now opens up a little bit of a path for Sean McGrew, who I've been high on since he got a little bit more time early in the season. I like the way that he runs. And, uh, you know, we're bringing in Sam Adams as well, who's kind of an equivalent to um, Savon Ahmed in that he catches the ball lauded out of the backfield. He's an elusive guy. Savon's – his three-year totals – do not jump off the chart at you. You know, in three years, he had a little bit over 2,000 yards, rush yards. 
He had 23, 47 all-purpose yards and 21 rushing touchdowns. And that in, in three years, that's not a huge number when you saw you just watched Miles Gaskins run over a thousand yards four straight years. And and don't get me wrong, Miles Gaskins is a record holder at UW and, and one of the all-time greats. But it was just the simple things with Savon Ahmed where he could have done a lot more with even just learning how to switch uh, hands with the ball. And in three years, he never learned how to do that. And, and you'd still see him carry the ball on the side of the, uh, of the tackler. And I think another year could have really helped him out. But at the end of the day, my heart is not broken with him leaving just because of the talent that we have and the depth that we have in running back. And we also have Cam Davis waiting in the wings as well, who I've heard really good things about. So he's built like a centaur too. Right. You know, so (laughs) you stop geeking out in the middle of our podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to start just quoting home improvement just to like manly this thing up. Tool time. (laughs) Uh Wow. Huh? Uh, yeah, thank you. That was like the manliest thing you've done all podcast. So the depth behind him is probably the biggest beneficiary we have to him leaving because it opens up space for guys that I think are just as good or can be better. That running back room is stacked. And, um, you know, Savon's numbers aren't going to – oh, go ahead. With all sorts of types of running backs. They're yeah, not all yeah, the same right. type. You know, Savon's numbers aren't going to look – they're not going to jump off the page because he was the feature back for one year. Um, he got nicked up in some games, um, and he was behind Miles Gaskin for two years. Right. So the thing about Miles uh, Savon Ahmed is there was always the possibility of a home run, and you saw it against USC is he's one of the fastest guys on the field. He's one of the most athletic guys on the field. And taking a guy like that off the field is, is never a benefit. But, I mean, as a running back, man, if you have a shot, you got to go. Right. Yeah, it's a so, short shelf life. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And so you could see if Richard Newton has a big year next year, watch for him to take off too. Yeah. That's a little preview for our next uh, next season. <laughs> Yeah, so we wish we wish Savon well. Um, I think that he's going to find himself a really nice niche in the NFL, and uh, I hope he makes a lot of money. Yeah, absolutely. I, I wish nothing but the best for him. You know, you, you always – no matter how you feel about a, a player that plays for the UW, uh, you always wish them nothing but the best when they go into the league because it always looks good for the UW. Absolutely. So, you know, as much as I hate the Packers, I'll root for Kevin King. You're absolutely as much right. As, as much as I hate the Niners, I'll almost root for Dante Pettis. He needs to get on a new roster. He needs I, to get on a new – he's like the one UW guy. I'm like, oh, God, I kind of can't do it. <laughs> well, and it's like they – they he's made some really good plays in that system, but um, – He's definitely gotten in the doghouse of the head coach. Oh boy, so, he will uh, not. He he's pretty, his career is pretty much done there. Oh yeah, he'll be he'll be somewhere else next year. Uh, okay, t- tangent. Before we move into the schedule, um, it just drives me crazy watching the Seahawks and watching their uh, secondary struggle when they could have had 
Buda Baker. Yeah. In the second round, they could they they should have taken Kevin King. Instead, they took the kid from Michigan State. That broke my heart. Uh-huh. And they could have taken Taylor Rapp, and they took the kid from uh, Utah. I don't think that kid from Utah is going to be bad. I think he's going to be a good player. But Taylor Rapp's a difference maker, man. Having, having Taylor <sighs> Rapp on a defense is, is, yeah, you're right. He is a difference maker. It drives uh, me could crazy. You, could you imagine in three years, Cody Barton with – Taylor Rapp in that backfield. It would be fun. It'd be so much fun. I think Cody Barton's going to see a lot more playing time here coming up pretty quick. Cody Barton, Bobby Wagner, and Taylor Rapp all back there just flying around. <laughs> well, guess what? It ain't happening. It, it, it's not going to happen. Dick, what's your take on the schedule this year? I love it. I don't love it. I hate it. <laughs> you hate it? Uh I do hate it. I don't love it. Um, I'm glad that we have Michigan at home this year. Super cool. Uh, it's going to be the first game for a brand new quarterback with no college football experience. Uh, and, and and read between the lines on that. You know what I what I, I know said what there. you said, but you know Jimmy did not uh, rule out a transfer quarterback. Um, maybe KJ I Costello. I know. I who don't you're think saying. it's gonna. Yeah, I don't think it's gonna be. Do you know who I'm saying? Yes. Who? I've li- I listen to you when you talk. You think it's Dylan Morris? I uh, I'm I'm torn. Okay, so you think it's Ethan Garbers? I, it's either it's either Garbers or Morris. And I'm gonna tell you that it's not. It's Garbers for sure, but no. Morris has. No, it's not Garbers. It's it's let me try that again. It's Morris for sure, but Garbers has an outside chance of stealing that spot. Yeah, the who backup. You're absolutely right. Doesn't have a chance. Is Sermon? Let's Are move you on. Serious? I am dead. So I'm about okay. a serious. We're Martin betting Church, something. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard that one before. <laughs> I, um, I we're gonna you, bet on that one. Okay. Um, I like the Michigan game at home. And I'm glad that we have a bye week before the Oregon game. Yes. I don't like that Oregon is our first Pac-12 game. Yes. And we're at Utah. And we're at Cal. And we're at SC. And we're at Washington State. Those are our toughest games of the year. And they are all on the road. They are absolutely brutal. Um I love that we have the bye before the Oregon game. I don't love that it's in Autzen, but I do love the bye before. Why what couldn't, makes why couldn't me we nervous? Get the Oregon treatment and get a bye at home. Uh, that's Oregon. just the that it's just the cycle. Last year we had them at home. It switches every year, and it's even years until the Pac-12 cycles is going to be tough because you see Oregon on the road, you see Cal on the road. And you see Washington State on the road. Um, the, the the home games out of the north, you have Oregon State and Stanford. So it, it, it is what it is. You have more north games away in the even years. And it sucks because Cal's had our number the last couple years. Oregon State's been super down. So as a season, season ticket holder... Uh, I've never been super excited about this side. I, sorry, if I was a season ticket holder, I wouldn't be as excited about the even years. Right. 
Yeah, um, I mean, what I don't like the most is they don't have a bye week during conference play. Yeah, that is tough. A, a bye week plopped right before USC would have been nice. Yeah. But unfortunately, that's not the way it's going to go this year. Um, you have to win that Michigan game if you're going to set yourself up at all. Well, yeah, and that's what I mentioned uh, on another podcast is – if they lose the Michigan game and then they lose the Oregon game, you're sitting at two and two. That's, you know, national, the national narrative of Washington is they're down again. Okay. And, and then, and then go deeper because if you lose to Michigan and then you lose to Oregon and then you go two weeks later to Utah and lose you're three and three. And then yeah. you have Cal two weeks later and you could drop that game and be four and four. And then you, two weeks later you have USC at USC, you could be five and five. And Mike you, Leach isn't at Washington State next you, year, so we're going to be six and six. I mean, you, I, the way that that schedule pans out, it's, I mean, you could be fight. Not saying if that's how it's going to play out, but it could play out to the point where you could be going into Pullman fighting for a bowl game. You could. Um, we'll get into that next year. Uh, it, it, pans out to the second toughest schedule in the Pac-12. Um, and, you know, there's a reason why, because there's a lot of decent teams, and a lot of those decent teams are on the road. Who has the toughest? USC. Really? They play Alabama and Notre Dame. They're going to get boat raced out of both of those games. Yep. Yo. New, thing, new thing this year, bud. All right. We're going to name it the, uh, the Doggies. The Doggies. The doggies. <gasps> we did it at the same time. <laughs> We're naming it the Doggies. Get them to the our, Doggies. This is our award show at the end of the year. We got, we got some awards to give out. To we got some trophies play, we're going to mail. Right, yep, yep. Uh, to positions, to player of the year, to um, favorite plays. So go ahead and start this out, Trev. All right, for Offensive Lineman of the Year, I went with Trey Adams. That's a no-brainer. Yep. Uh, I went with the other no-brainer, Nick Harris. Yeah, that was probably the easiest. Uh... All right, wide receiver, Jake, who you got? I'm taking Puka in this one. I, uh, yeah. I liked the, what he did early, and I liked, I liked the way that he brought the intensity and, and some of the catches that he made, and, and for me – it's kind of a looking forward thing. So I'm giving it to Puka in hopes that he progresses throughout his career and keeps getting better. Yeah. And if it was a four game season, you'd be right. Um, <laughs> I didn't do much better though. I went with Terrell Bynum because of what he showed when he finally got a chance. Um, I you, think you could go Aaron Fuller if you were going to go on the full year and look at the statistics, but I think Bynum and Puka, uh, really gave a ton of energy to this team, um, and they really showed the the new ceiling of the wide receiver room. Right, and what was the narrative on Fuller all year? Drop passes. No separation that's, and no, then drop passes. Yes, and that's not what you want out of your best wide receiver, so naturally we're not going to give it to him. Yeah. Running okay. back. I'm going to go with Dick Newton. I really like the way that he ran the ball. He's a downhill runner, physical, big physical kid. Uh, the dude has a nose for the end zone, which is uh, about as good a thing as you can get. 
I mean, why did Sean Alexander win the MVP? Because he got in the end zone a lot. Yeah. So, I mean, that's I like that about him. He was the most successful at running the Wildcat in Washington program history. So, way to go, bud. <laughs> the only year. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, and I'm going to go with Savon Ahmed. Um, this is a body of work award. Also, when he was out, it was noticed. Um, always had the ability to uh, hit the home run. And being a thousand yard rusher, keeping that streak alive, I think is really important. See, and I disagree with that statement when he, when he was out, it was noticed because I think when McGrew and, and Dick Newton were both healthy, I think it was less noticeable because I think that they both could carry a workload and they both ran the ball really effectively. But you saw when Newton went out or McGrew with Ahmed, that's when the team started hurting. Yeah. Uh, cut it either way you want. Savon Ahmed's a fantastic player. And that leads me into my offensive player of the year, Savon Ahmed. Okay. I, you know, I had a hard time answering this question. Hey, you didn't even write um, anything. I know. I know. I actually thought I stewed on this for a long, 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 long time. For that reason, I'm going to go with a cop out and I'm going to say Nick Harris. Okay. Just because he was he was consistent all year and uh, he he left a pocket for Jake and and he road graded for his running backs all year. I could I couldn't give it to a skill position knowing the disappointment that we saw out of all of our skill players all year. Did underachieve and and there were times where Jacob Beeson looked like the best player on the field, but there were other games that he did not. Right. And um. There were times where the offensive line didn't look good either. It was a really, it was a the really Cal, frustrating year. The Cal game was atrocious. Yeah, let's move to the fun side of the ball, huh? Yes. All right, Jake, who's your defensive lineman of the year? I'm gonna go with Ryan Bowman. I, I really like the way that he played all year. I like that he's a previous walk on, and he took over a starter role, and he got he progressively gets more and more sacks every year. I just like the way that kid plays, man. Awesome. What about you? Levi on Wuzurike. Yeah, you're, you're guy, high on him. Oh, my gosh. Have you noticed a trend in these two full years we've been doing this? Who's been you my favorite player? You love defensive linemen. Yeah. Oh, Greg my Gage, gosh. I love, oh, my gosh. Yeah. I love them when they're right over the – I love the nose tackle. I love the guy that doesn't necessarily get all of the stats but explodes the pocket and takes double teams – Levi Onruzurike, I think, and we didn't mention this in the news, but the fact that he's coming back is gigantic for this team. Yep. yep and uh, he was the best player on the defensive line this year. He's going to be the best defensive player on the line next year, and there's going to be some great defensive line play next year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. Linebackers. Uh, I kind of took a cop out. Technically, I took a linebacker with my defensive lineman pick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I saw what you did. It was so, tricky. Yeah. So that way I could take uh, technically a linebacker, but played more like a D lineman. Yeah. Uh, Joe Tryon. I love Joe Tryon, man. I thought he had a fantastic year. We were clamoring for him to have this year, and he did exactly what we wanted. And good on you, Joe. You progressed. He got better. And you had the year that everybody was hoping for. And you know, the thing is, is we didn't, uh, at some points, the beginning of the year, we're like, it's not going to happen for Joe Tryon. Right. And, and it did. 
Yep. And he's coming into next year. He's taken that step forward. He's going to take a massive step forward next year. Yep. Yep. I uh, hopefully, man. Hopefully, it clicked. That Utah game for him was huge. Yeah. It's like that was the the catalyst for him learning to not only pass rush but also be able to play the run. And I think that after that game, he he never broke stride. Yeah. What about you? Edifan Ulafushio. What can you say? I love videos where kids get uh, go from a walk-on to a scholarship, and that was so cool to see. He brought an energy to the linebacking crew that was lacking when he wasn't in there. Uh, I love that Ulafushio means something about warrior uh, because the guy – flew around, made plays and hit hard. Uh, he played with a lot of emotion and frankly, he took better routes than some of the other linebackers. Yes. Do you think Eddie, do you think Eddie starts the season next year? I don't know. There's a lot of really good linemen, linebackers that are young and talented. So if he progresses, then yes, but he's definitely going to be in the rotation, whatever that looks like starter major minutes, he's going to get snaps. With him getting a scholarship, this question's a lot harder because it definitely leaves him in the mix for starting. Yeah. You took the easy route, defensive backs. I did. You're right. Elijah Molden. Yeah. I've been so high on this guy all year. Uh, I love the way he plays. I love the way he covers. Pro Football Focus ranked him like third in the nation as far as uh, pass coverage and quarterback, cornerback. So he obviously outplayed what everybody's expectations were of him and and he's going to do the same him coming back to this year i think me personally i think that is bigger than levi coming back it's i mean bigger just as big that's huge news because pro, yeah. pro football focus also ranked him as the top nickel corner in the country and he's going to get better and then he's going to go make a whole bunch of money in the nfl because nickel corners are hard to come by Right. Um, mine is right. Keith Taylor. I thought Keith Taylor, there were some issues at the beginning of the season. He gave up a really weird touchdown where he kicked it off of his ankle. There was some, I, I think, more without knowing any of the ins and outs, it looked like it was more of an issue with some of the safety communication where he got, uh, it looked like he was passing off the receiver to nobody for uh, one of the first 40 he's given up in a while. But Teams did not throw towards Keith Taylor, and that's because he is physical, he is big, and he is really skilled. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Totally agree. I think, I think this next one is funny because it kind of just fits into <laughs> everything that we talked about, and, and it, 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 it's, it's perfect the way that this lines up. Well, it's funny because for the offensive player of the year, it was hard, and I had to really think. And you stewed over it and didn't even write in anything on our Google Doc. But yeah. this one was simple for both of us. Yeah. And it really right. shows a lot about our personalities here. Right. Jake, right. Who's, who's your defensive MVP? Elijah Molden. Who's mine? I got... Levi Andrew. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Cool. I mean, what can you say about it? You know, obviously, yeah. both of us love these guys individually and together those we both think are the biggest get backs to this team that aren't leaving and moving forward with these two guys you have a defensive lineman that is stout that can cover the run and get to the quarterback and you have a cornerback 
that is going to absolutely capitalize when, when Levi is pressuring a quarterback and getting in his face. And that's the perfect combo. And there's no other way I'd rather have it. All right. Now I didn't prepare you for this and I didn't even prepare it for myself. So I'm going to give you one sentence on your thoughts going forward to 2020. My answer is 311 days. Do you need me to uh, elaborate? I do. It's the amount of days until we get to kick that slime ball, new Wazoo's head coach's face in the dirt. Okay. (laughs) Apple Cup 2020. That's my sentence. Because I don't like the fire he's bringing, thinking that he's going to come in and and torch us. We are going to give him the same treatment we gave Mike Leach, and it's going to hurt. And he's the same guy that said that they were going to stomp our faces in the dirt when we played Hawaii, and the same thing is going to happen when we play in Pullman next year. There you go. So give me yours. 18 points a game against. That's what our defense is going to allow. Yeah. That's a good number. This, def- I, this defense, I wanted to like talk about how I think the offensive – uh, the offensive uh, strategy is going to be different and they're going to be more attacking. They're going to score more and they're going to let our quarterbacks loose. But I just look up and down that defensive roster and I don't care who is on the schedule. It is going to be really hard to score against this Washington defense next year. It It, it is a really good defense, man. Yeah. It is a stout, stout and we, and I think the only question mark we have about this defense is that is that safety, the two safety positions. And I think by then, our two young safeties are going to be flying. Well, here's the thing. Yes, there was some mis- mental mistakes. But the reality is those two are freaky talented. Yes, absolutely. I totally agree. Yeah. Who would you like to see at the strong safety, Cam or, or Turner? Um, I think that Asa Turner has more of that in him. And I think Cam, uh, at, when he learns how to harness his aggression, could be a really good free safety. Yeah, I totally agree. I think, I think, I think uh, Turner has the body of a strong safety where he can come in and lay the lumber. He's a body of an outside Cam linebacker. Ha- exactly. Where Cam has the ability to show range and make plays. And I think that's going to be a really deadly combo in, well, that, in that backfield. That's what he did against USC. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, he, he, they definitely both showed flashes. Yeah. That'll do it for us for fourth and inches for this year. Jake, we've gone on quite the journey this year going from, uh, you know, getting, getting on with sports illustrated, going through more of a role, you know, a, another sort of roller coaster season, lots of changes, what kind of what are your thoughts? Uh, progression, man. We keep yeah. moving forward. Yeah, you know this this podcast is going to keep getting better. Uh, the one thing that we can't live without is the is is the listeners. And uh, you know, thank you for 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 listening every week, and thank you for for letting us share our nights with you and getting to talk fo- Husky football because this is a huge passion for uh, the both of us. And getting to do this has been a dream come true. And thank you listeners for allowing that to happen. Yeah. And uh, there's a bunch of thank yous that need to go, but they need to definitely start with Miranda and Casey. They've put up with us waking up early on Sunday mornings and 
you know, having to watch and rewatch Washington games and taking time on Tuesday nights to be able to make this happen. So those two are the real MVPs on this. God, could you imagine what it's like to be my wife where I do this podcast with you and then I turn around and go to race car night and then I spend all Saturday at the racetrack and then I go to work and then I'm a horrible husband when I am home. Like it's the worst. (laughs) Right. (laughs) We also want to thank people that have come on this show this year. We've had, uh, we really ramped up. I don't know if we, we only had a couple of guests in our first season and this year we had some really, really good interviews. Uh, First off my favorite, uh, thank you to Race Porter Race for Porter. coming on. Yeah, help me out. If I forget any, please, please put them in. Mike Yam, Yogi Roth, Mike Martin, Kayla Olin, Terry Holloman, Mario Bailey, Mario Mario Bailey, Alex Brink, and then the guys from uh, Read Option Podcast. Jamie Goodman. Oh, from Jamie Goodman. Dog, dog Thoughts. The, Dogcast. Jamie right. Goodman from the Dogcast. That was also a really, really good one. Um, we got some more people lined up. I'm I'm next to my phone all the time right now. Uh, my wife is about to give birth to our second son. So um, we're going to take a, a, a little, maybe a month hiatus. Uh, and then we got some guests lined up. We, we got, you know, we'll talk about what's going on and we'll be back ready rolling for spring ball. Are you ready? Let's hit it. All right. All right. Thank you listeners. One more time. Don't forget to rate and view, tell your friends, give us those five stars. And for more great Husky content, visit, si.com forward slash college forward slash slash washington for the last time this year go dogs go dogs